Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. When I first started my recovery 11 years ago, I struggled through the textbook-like material on the subject. I wanted to make the addiction and the recovery from it accessible and relatable to more people by telling it in an entertaining way. Well, I'm super excited to announce I've released my first book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. If I can help just one person find a solution or at least realize they're not broken or alone, then writing this has been worth it. You can pick up the book exclusively at Amazon or signed copy at secretlifenovel.com. And the best way to support our podcast is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or rating on Apple Podcasts yet, please do. It'll help more people find our show. And if you want to be a guest, shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at icloud.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really? The how, the what, the where, and the why. Today, my guest is Jason. Now, Jason, I have a question for you. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what is your secret? Well, Brianne, I was thinking about this when you invited me on, mm-hmm. and uh, much like yourself in recovery, mm-hmm. um, of course, I'm alcohol and sex and love to a certain extent, but I came to a realization through my journaling and confirming with my brother that I had my first drink far far younger than I recollected. And so to me, and this recently happened, and I I realized this within the last week. So I've been on my podcast that you've been on knocking doors down. So, you know, I didn't have my first drink or really get drunk till I was 22. Now tracing it back, I believe I had my first beer at seven. (gasps) And it was like, a crazy realization because that wasn't long after as talking with you on a podcast that I was molested as a kid. Yeah. And so it was like, it threw me into shock. Oh my God. It was like, you had a secret from yourself. You blacked out that moment from yourself. Yes. Yes. Wow. When did you, so a week ago you found this out? Yeah, I was uh, doing uh, journaling. I try to write every day, but when we're traveling, you know, for for the podcast, I don't always get it in every day. And and something was really bothering me. And I was talking with my girlfriend and I was writing it down and I texted my brother and I asked him because he was there there too. And and, and I go, were we like teenagers? And he goes, no, I was maybe 11. And so we're four years apart. And yeah. so it was six or seven years old. And the ironic situation in doing that was this was the son of the man who molested me and he couldn't have been but 18 years old. So it was kind of like, boy, if I even knew where the man was in the world, I'd want to find out, you know, what was going on with him. Cause I remember him, you know, when he was working, he was a guy that was drinking every day excessively yeah. at 18 years old. So it was kind of, it really threw me aback that some of this stuff that I fell to um, started younger than I remember. Now I didn't drink anymore after that because it yeah. wasn't available, but it, yeah, it was, it was quite a, a shock to write that down and get some confirmation and, and 
you know, my memory of childhood, there's a lot of shoddiness there that I just don't remember. So I too, I told you that, like, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I just like covered it up and we do that, protect ourselves. But when you, it popped in your head, when you were journaling, do you remember images? Do you remember the, like it specifically like picking up the drink, putting it in your mouth? What did that look like? I vividly remember. I remember what the, the young man looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his, his face, his eye color, his, you know, stubbly, uh, stubbly beard, um, the smell, the can, the design of it, which is different than what this very popular brand uses now, mm-hmm. exactly where we were at behind my parents shop, the time of year, it, you know, it was in the fall, the smell where I grew up, you, you know, between the, the oil from the big rigs that hit the ground and the dirt and the orchards and everything else. It was like, I recalled it all and it oh really threw me back. So it was, uh, yeah. Did it feel like a missing piece of your puzzle? I think so. I think so. And that, that it, it it's, you know, you've been there, you've done the work yes. and, you know, and uh, I've, you know, I've listened to your book and I'm still trying to figure out, I'm actually on the second listen. So I'm still trying to, is that Brie or is that somebody else's story? <laughs> I love it. It's like a where's Waldo, like what, <laughs> exactly. who is this, is this, but yeah, it's this weird thing that happens. Do you feel yourself like getting to know yourself more or did you, were you triggered by it? Like, what was that feeling after writing down? Cause I have experienced it. So I would love my listeners to hear it definitely it, it it yeah i would say a little bit of a trigger because i i didn't dislike it yeah um of course you know the taste you're like the first but then when you start to feel something different mm-hmm. you're like okay this is kind of cool and i was a short tiny skinny kid so this hit me pretty good luckily it was a weekend i believe my mom was away mm-hmm. and you know where was your went- mom uh, my mom was a travel agent at the time, so she was gone a lot and doing things. And my my dad was working. Obviously, we were probably helping him that day or something like that. So yeah. it wasn't an abnormal situation. Um, but it 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 triggered me in the sense that I reconnected with me at that age mm-hmm. and kind of the things and and not understanding boy, these things that it's like, this is exciting. What is this about? And I'm feeling more adult or whatever it is. And, you know, I always wanted to really be heard. I was always felt like the kid, you know, better seen than heard. Yeah. And so it was like, ah, I'm being welcomed in. I'm being accepted. And here it is, this guy that's pretty cool that works for my dad. And, you know, this is when tattoos weren't cool. And he had one on his forearm. I don't recollect what that it was, mm-hmm. you know, and those kind of things. So it was, um, it did at first, but luckily, you know, having that support and people to talk to and, you know, um, it, it settled that pretty quickly, Yeah, but it, it was definitely a situation where it heightened that anxiety that a lot of us get. And, you know, senses were kind of firing really quick. So it was, I better do something right now before it goes awry. So, yeah. you know, I was at home with the kids and just started hanging out with them, especially my daughter and things yeah, like get that. present, get present with your life right now and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like now that you know this truth about yourself and you've been carrying this secret within yourself that you can heal differently? And is, was that now your first addiction or was there something before that? 
I think the, um, you know, as we talked when you were on knocking mm -hmm. doors down, the pornography was first because yes. that was at a younger age with my dad for people that, you know, haven't listened to Brie on that episode, but, um, you know, How, sure, what yeah. age were you? Six. Six. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I saw porn early too. I mean, we've talked about that, but what right. was that experience before? So you can, I remember that vividly because I was with my mom. Mm -hmm. she was taking me uh, our house was up on a hill and it was about 200 yards down a hill to where my dad's shop was and there he is and I don't know if he was gassed up or using at that time or whatever it was but for whatever reason to him it was a good idea which uh, you know him and I've made amends on this and you know he, he had his regrets for sure um, but whatever reason decided to show me and I don't remember if it was a playboy or a penthouse or whatever and so for me it was I never had a really good bond with my dad I really didn't until about my mid to you know early 20s mm -hmm. um, it was like that bond thing I was like yeah. okay I'm being accepted by dad you know because you know I had seen the covers of these things but never inside you know they were like he was sharing his world with you or exactly, something. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because it was, you know, he's a truck driver and all the, you know, the guys, you know, and everybody after work and, you know, they would have drinks or whatever. So and it, was, it was a different generation. They exactly. didn't know any better that seeing those images tainted your brain and desensitizes you. Oh, yeah. Because I remember vividly movies like, you know, seeing Caddyshack and Risky Business and, you know, the list goes on and on of these that had overt sexuality, nudity and all these mm -hmm. things in it. And so, no, I, I know that that was for sure the first thing before alcohol, because I didn't really. And it's funny, too. I always say that uh, the first time I got drunk was when I was 22. Yeah. And the reality tracing back, I was dating an older woman when I was like 18, 19 years old. She was 26, 27, something like that. And she goes, no, when you were 19, we, we got drunk together several times. And I'm like, wow, OK, you know, because oh I, I had reached out to her about uh, about a month ago. And she's like, no, you, you got drunk with me. Don't you remember our first date? You went to a club. We went, saw this uh, purse, uh, prince impersonator. <laughs> and uh, and she's like, yeah, you, you know, you weren't comfortable at first. And I'm like, oh, it's fine if you have one. And then she's like, no, our first date, you, you were drinking at 19 in a club. And I'm like, oh, my God. I That's so crazy. It's, do you think that your mind made up a different story so it wouldn't it wasn't as bad for you? Yes. Like, is that what that's about? Yes. And I think I've done that in many situations. And that's something I've really, really had to start to own. Yeah. Uh, with with people and certain stuff like, oh, this isn't going to be so bad if they find this out this way or that this way or if they don't know about this. And it's like, no, it, it, regardless of if it hurts someone or not, you got to be transparent. And I and I think, again, it goes back to that thing of we lie to ourselves better than anyone else uh, that now at 43, I'm just trying to find the best genuine self to myself and thus to everyone else. And it, it is hard and it is scary, but uh it definitely uh, makes life better. Yeah. Peeling those layers, those masks, I say, taking off those masks and like, who is this person underneath? And when I came on, you actually took the quiz, the 40 question yeah. quiz. And this was, you haven't had anybody on for sex and love and it kind of opened something up for you, right? Very much so. Yeah. Because that was I a say secret too. Yeah, I sent you a very long, long message and thank you. And even after reviewing the book, or I did the Audible, which I recommend to people. It's it's Aww. a blast. You did a great job with it. 
Torture, yeah. pure torture. <laughs> oh, it was great. I, oh my God, I know. hated it. Yeah, it was the worst. A, you know, just a, just a footnote. It's definitely not a kid's in the car. So I got my earbuds in, in the car, my earbud. And the kids, you know, like, why are you laughing? Or what was that gasp about? And um, But yeah, I did the quiz. I got, I think it was 32 out of 40, if yeah. I recollect correctly. So there was a lot of them in there that it was like, oh my goodness, these these things. And I think you put it best when you were talking about people you worked with, I could quit heroin, but I couldn't quit her. Mm -hmm. And I definitely have to say probably that that first love, not that I didn't have toxic relationships in the sense that there was crazy violence or cheating or things like that until unfortunately, my kid's mom. Um, Oh, yeah. But Looking back, I definitely had that two-year horizon with everyone. You know, the the rush, the feels kind of. Ugh, the butterflies. I, the, yeah. ugh, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And 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 va- the validation and somebody mm. always telling you how wonderful you are. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a scientific fact. That stuff wears off after two years, you know. Every time. It, I've been, I've been chasing that high and it wears off every time. But we, that is what we get addicted to. And that's the same high, like we said, of heroin, of cocaine, of like that euphoria we feel. Oh yeah. And it, you know, and I, and the interesting thing, and hopefully people listen to the talk we were able to have with you Mm -hmm. and on other stuff that you're on, that has just been great. Is it, you know, I think people think love and sex addiction, although men and women were, were, were just different. We just yeah. are. But that for men, that it's not the romance, because I love the romance part. I love the getting dressed up. I love the hiding the fact I was dead broke, but I got another credit card so that I could go and treat the lady to a $200 meal and all this stuff. And here I am, this chivalrous man, when in, when in reality, I was a broke guy, mm-hmm. insecure, uh, just playing for- a role playing a role, looking for someone to uh, fulfill my life instead of looking in the mirror and 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 knowing I'm the one that's got to do the fucking work because otherwise, you know, it's empty. It's empty, you know? Yeah. Do you even think, look, you're hitting the money too. Do you think you even did it with the money? Oh, God, yes. So you're mm-hmm. like a whack-a-mole. I am totally I like- a whack-a-mole. Depended on who it was. If it was someone that they were cool just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And being simple, all right. If it was someone that, that you know had, I had a, a wine and dine. Yeah, I had a lady that had a more upscale job. She was a hairdresser, did very well, and and you know, I mean, she could go and have a thousand dollar day, you know, at work. And so here I am, you know, as the man, I got to provide and I got to keep up with that. And it yeah. wasn't that she put that on me; I put that on me. You know, I think looking back, that woman genuinely loved me, whereas you know. You didn't love yourself. Not, not at all. Not. Well, that's so interesting. I'm going to put, tell one of my secrets. Well, mostly my husband's secrets. He did the same thing with me. He didn't tell me, and we've talked about this on the show and he's in debtors anonymous now for 10 years and has 10 years of recovery. And he, you know, would do that. He would max out a credit card and not tell me because he wanted to like fulfill this need for me. And it was just this vicious cycle of him not living in his truth. When we as addicts don't live in our truth, it's just a shit show and a fuck factory. <laughs> like we are screwed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, my question, because I've, I've finally started, uh, I think it was about, I had about an eight month gap relationship wise, mm-hmm. took that time off and, and 
uh, really made sure that it was something that could be solid, someone that I've been friends with for a long time. Uh-huh. And so my curiosity with you with that was how did you and your husband open up about it? Because I'm, she knows that she's very patient. She knows what I've been through. I've been very open and honest. And every time something else, she's just gracious. So I'm curious, like how that revealing maybe to help people that, that, you know, these are my defects and boy, you got to love this part too. Matter of fact, those parts need more love than the good stuff. So a hundred percent it's, I mean, it's difficult when you, well, he's an addict, he's 33 years in AA. So the, the beautiful thing is he understands addiction. So to have someone that understands addiction and especially with sex and love addiction, that it has nothing to do with him. He could be the most perfect partner and it wouldn't matter if I want to flirt in intrigue and you know, go into fantasy, it has nothing to do with him. So I think I was blessed with a partner that gets that and is not like a jealous individual, but it's a hard conversation. You know, when we get triggered or things come up Mm. or you want to reveal a new layer. And first, what we always do is we reveal it in our programs with our sponsors, with a therapist, because when you don't have it in yourself and have the tools and understand it completely, it's very hard to explain it to another person. So I would say like, first do the work before you reveal is Mm. how we kind of work together. Because Mm -hmm. if not, he'll try to fix me or I'll try to fix him. That codependency can come in. Yeah. And I, I, that, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that because I certainly have to, um, I'm a fixer. So yeah, I've, you I've, are. I've, I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I maybe even talked with you about that, like with my daughter and, and, yeah. and just like, no, you need to listen more. And mm-hmm. she just wants to be heard. She's mm-hmm. not asking you to solve this. She just wants to know that that, that you, you, you're there mm-hmm. when needed. And boy, it is tough. That is the toughest thing for me to do, especially as a parent. Yeah. And that's the most addictive part. And we feel that with our son, my husband and I, like we want to fix things for him. My husband more than me, but it's like so hard to break that habit because you don't want to see someone you love hurt, but you're stunting their growth. You're stunting their God taking care of them. They have Mm -hmm. their own God. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that? That your daughter has her own God? Absolutely. And especially over the last two years, her and I have, you know, we kind of had a gap where it wasn't closeness. And I think that clearly, you know, with the addiction, the kids saw me drink, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and of course, confusing times because of the age they're at, you know, puberty and heading to teenage years and all that stuff. So, so confusing Um, that I think she really pulled away. And as I, she sees that I'm a stable person and, and everything Mm -hmm. else, there's that, that reconnectivity there, you know, and I, I've shared with you, my son is on the, um, has Asperger's autism Mm -hmm. spectrum. So you only kind of get so much out of him, but I'm, but I'm really proud of him too. He had a situation with school where something made him uncomfortable and he voiced it to, um, you know, his instructor and, and, uh, he has a, uh, IEP, so individualized education plan and and to the people of of what made him uncomfortable about a scenario. And for him, where that is, where he's at on the spectrum, so incredibly mature. So to see these growth things, it's just like, okay, I think they're going to be all right. And yeah, he has better 
better tools than you and I. <laughs> right, exactly. You and know, very we mature like about attack it. or hold it in, or at least yep. he is allowed and able to express himself in a healthy way. And that's the whole deal. You and I didn't get the tools to express ourselves in a healthy way and feel those feelings. So you're passing it on. God, I hope so. And and yes, to answer your question, I do see them more curious as as I explore my faith, the God I do business with and talk openly with them about it. Mm -hmm. I'd even uh, brought up, uh, you know, hey, there's a church. It's really great. You know me. I'm not I'm not a denomination guy. Um, I could go to any I could go to a Buddhist ceremony. I could go to a Native American ceremony, which I have and get something out of all of them. They all have such a beautiful thing and and a great message that I think, you know, you go in open minded and present. You can take something in and they were up for it this time years ago they wouldn't have been you know it's and so they're really starting to see more about fellowship you know as the world's opening up getting a lot more social interactions and things like that that you know people for the most part are really good and really generous and and so i think they're starting to understand that element because it's it can be a a lofty concept for all of us here as adults. I'm sure you struggle with it as I do that like, okay, so there's something that really cares about me. What bullshit, but you know, totally. and you're like, wait, I I don't have to earn this person, this entity, this energy's love. Like I'm already loved just as I am. And I used to be like, no, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> you, is, you, you will lie, as we would say. You will yeah, lie. That wait, there's, there's no conditions. I need some conditions to, <laughs> to like strive or make myself feel like shit. And it's like, no, you are loved exactly as you are with what you have. And I, it's just getting to that place. I mean, I can say I can get spiritual in a bathroom. Like I don't need to get on my knees or anything. It's just constantly turning it over to something bigger than me because we are all connected. We're all connected. Yeah. And we want to be unique and special and you're not unique and special and I'm not unique and special. And when we come to each other in a humble way, like we are all as one, I feel like that's when the healing comes and the God comes. I agree. And I think it's, you know, sometimes people overcomplicate that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your thoughts on it are. It could be as simple as you're going in to get a coffee and, you know, we had a recent work situation. Uh, uh, what? My co-host and myself, as you, as you know. Yeah. Uh, so we were in getting a coffee and the lady in front of us was just so incredibly rude to this young man. Just terrible. So we just chatted oh, it up with him. That is the worst to me. <laughs> yeah. Chatted it up with them, you know, mm-hmm. left a tip, you know, thanked him. And, you know, because if we can do those one little tiny things and it doesn't have to be this big lofty thing like, you know, oh, I've given a thousand dollars to this charity, which is great. But when you actually can be of service in the simplest ways throughout your day, you know, yeah. that, that kind word. I mean, I know both of us being parents, kids get down on themselves and it's like, you know, hey, buddy, or I call my daughter pumpkin patch or whatever it is, Aww. you know, something, something, just a little something in there with them. You know, if it's about their insecurities, talking through it with them or just saying something nice and we can do that with everybody. And I think that's that connectivity. That's that thing. If, you know, I know you, you're an avid meeting person. I I do most of mine via zoom, but when I do, and someone, maybe they want to hear a story about a guest that that we've had on the podcast or, uh, you know, they just want want my take. Maybe I said something that resonated with them and given them a few minutes of my time. I, you know, I can think of one where it was a, a, a lady that was 
uh, similar, you know, trying to break that toxic relationship. And, you know, we had a conversation about what does it make you think and feel about yourself? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, well, I'm a piece of trash. I'm uh, I can be yelled at. I can be demeaned. Um, but I'm useful when we're in the lovey dovey thing and, you know, the wild sex and all this stuff. And it's like, well, is that really all you want from your life? Is that really all you want in a relationship? Uh, You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't to put her on the spot. It was to hopefully lend her some questions that she could ask herself to, to do that work. And, and hopefully, you know, I love that. I love that you're sharing the message that how bad toxic relationships are. And I always tell someone, does that person bring out the best in you? Do they make you feel good about yourself? Are they supportive standing next to you as a partner? Or do you feel like there's a power struggle? Those are the things to look at and see if like, wait a minute, this is not what I actually want in my life with another person. Yeah. And it's okay to be scared when you, when you do. And I, I'm going to hold it in here. Uh, thinking about it, getting emotionally is being in the position where I'm at now in yeah. life, uh, being with someone, I find I love myself more yes. I'm in their, my life. And it's like, I, do I they never make thought- you a better person. Do you feel? Absolutely. Like? That's Absolutely. the number one key. If someone brings drama, inconsistency, abandonment issues in your life, that's like the big key for me. Do they make you a better person? Is there yeah. no not that drama is not, you can't get in arguments or it's healthy arguments. <laughs> yeah. I, I think our biggest argument lasted about two minutes and there was no yelling. It was just kind of like, all right, we disagree on this. This is just something you have your way. I have my way, but it, it was, uh, it was kind of beautiful. We chuckled about it because there was a slight little bit of tension. Yeah. And- well, yeah, you're human, right? Yeah. You get triggered, you get you have flaws, you get, you know, you feel feelings. That's totally okay. I just think if they bring out the best in you. Absolutely. And the the cool thing about it, and I know you've been there and you know, again, people, if you haven't listened to the book or read the book, (laughs) I love that you're pitching me on my podcast. It's like the best thing ever. I love the book. I I genuinely loved it. I I finished it it in two days which is great for me. I mean, I'm cooking, I got the earbuds in, um, but that you, you, you know, is, is highlighted in there a couple of times is that anger and, you know, our, our, our uh, nervous system becomes heightened. And then here we are, then all of a sudden, you, you know, that trauma bonding, that connection. And then there it is that wild sex that all of a sudden leaves you empty afterwards. That's another great thing here too. That doesn't exist. Yeah. That doesn't exist in it. There's no desire for that. There's no need for that. There's no let's create false tension here. And then that fought. And then here we are. See, we're so deeply in love to swing emotionally the totally opposite direction, which is so unhealthy for your nervous system because you are just keeping that trauma bullshit that started way back when that had nothing to do with this person prior to meeting them. And you're bringing that on them and they're allowing it or they're bringing it on you and you're allowing it. So it's, it's a nice cutting of ties of that type of environment too. You know, I love that because you do talk about your ex and then how different this relationship is. So like the growth there, but here we're running out of time, but I have another question for you and I'm dying to hear after this secret was revealed to yourself that you actually were drinking earlier and earlier and very early. Do you feel like you have both your feet more in reality now that you know this truth about yourself and that it has made your bond with your partner even stronger. 
I think so. I think so. Uh, as you know, she has experience of addiction in her family. So she mm-hmm. does understand this disease. Fortunately, you know, she's not totally succumbed to it. And I don't want to speak for her on any of the, the yeah, private yeah. stuff, but uh, I definitely see that as it, you know, like I said, vulnerability can be scary, but it's not as scary as the way I, I was living and the shit that I was doing. You know, yeah. I, I've crashed a car that, that the wrecking yard guy went, wow, who was in this? Were, were they dead? Seriously hurt? And it was me the next day standing there, no mark. You know, it's like, that's scary. That's yeah. irresponsible. So for me in, in figuring this out, revealing it, being open and honest about it, I feel self-esteem and responsible to myself mm-hmm. first and foremost. Thus I can be to my partner, to my kids, to my coworker, you know, to this, what we kind of do, you, you know, you and I are in the same mission that, that yeah. of recovery, that it happens folks, that life is good. Life does get better. It's not easy, but life is hard. One of the best self-help books of all time is titled life or first words. Life is hard. Yeah. You know? It's hard. No matter if you're drinking, using sex and love, eating, getting on Netflix, looking at porn, life is going to be hard no matter what. But the problem is, when you disassociate, disconnect with one part of your life, it disconnects you from every part of your mm-hmm. life. And now that that secret is gone, that shame of starting so much younger, you feel actually more connected than ever, right? Yeah. Yes. And and the, yes, that definitely helps with, with the shame for mm-hmm. sure. And getting closer to that authenticity and, and we all struggle with it daily. I know I'm still going to have moments where maybe I chuckle at a joke to try to make someone feel better when it's not as funny as it, as it really was. But, you know, I, I know I'm going to always have my defect to a certain extent of people pleasing, but it's developing a thing that, that so many of us addicts do not have and it's discipline. And so for me, it's discipline. And that's not just what people outwardly see. It's okay. You watched three episodes of this show. Do you really need to watch a fourth? Yeah. There's so much more you can do. There's so much more you can do for personal growth. And I'm a, you know, a film, TV, music guy. I love all that stuff and it does enrich me, but there's a point where you have to, you know, slice, slice it off. So I'm finding that that is coming more and more into my life. And it's, and there's still struggles. I still struggle with depression and anxiety and had it this morning, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, but it really, it was like, okay, you got, you got your kids, you got to get out of bed. You're going to talk with Bree, who you just think is so freaking awesome. And, you know, all these things, and you're going to put this out there. And I think I had a little anxiety about it until I saw you pop on. I'm like, she's been there. She gets it. And the audience will get it too, you know, and if not, maybe it'll help them go, whoa, I got something else to explore. So it, that helped me because it was, again, I don't know who we're going to serve. We, you know, I'm not going to get to see this. It's not our business. It's not our business who we're helping. We put it out there. You reveal yourself. You become more and more authentic. And every time you do that, you grow in yourself. And that's the beauty of this. And I'm so grateful you came on. I'm so grateful you, you know, showed up for your life and that you're willing to look back every day with the journaling, which I think is a great tip. But I want you to give the listeners a last bit of healing 
what do you say if someone has a memory come up or something, how do they deal with that aftermath of something that they have kept a secret from themselves? Don't ignore it. For me, it was uncomfortable, but that's okay. A lot of growth comes through discomfort. You know, as simple as if you think of a, a bodybuilder, it hurt to get those muscles that big, you know, same kind of thing with, with the healing in our mind. Be, be willing to go through that hurt a little bit. And it may not, it may not be instantaneously. We like instant gratification. Yes, that's, we why do. We, that's why we go to go to our things, you know, as uh, you know, booze was quick. It was simple until it wasn't. Yeah. And so, you know, or porn or whatever it was, or, Hey, it's easy. I, I got the gift of gab. I, this person doesn't want to be with me more. I can go talk to some other woman and, you know, and that terrible cycle yeah. of, of snorting and drinking up people too. It, is it understand it's going to take you a little bit of time and that's okay. And be patient with yourself. You know, if you're going to be patient with others, be patient with yourself. Oh, thank you so much so much for coming on. I am so grateful for you. And yeah, if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.